Welcome to season three, episode six of Perspective. Today, I am talking with Spec Magazine's very own Mia McCarthy. Mia is a freelance photographer who's worked for companies like IMG Models, as well as having her work featured in museums and galleries. She is a jack of all trades, having worked with internet personalities, having done product shoots, as well as more traditional editorial work. Besides photography, she's also the co-founder of Handle, a venture-backed food delivery company. Today, we're going to cover all of her entrepreneurial endeavors from creative to managerial and what she has learned along the way. With that being said, let's see what Mia's perspective really is. We're rolling. Okay, Mia, welcome on the podcast. I'm so excited for today because I love, 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 love asking people about their creative process. And I just think that your work is so well done. And for those listening, I encourage you to go to her Instagram or website just to like get a sense of what she does and why she's so talented. But before we get into all of that, I was wondering if you could just start by telling us about yourself. I always think it's so interesting to hear about people's background and how it's woven into their careers. So yeah, take totally. it away. Well, first off, thank you for having me. Of course. Um, to start off, let's see. I'll start in the beginning. Um, I'm from San Diego, California, and I am a senior at the Ivan and Young Academy. Um, we can get into what that is later on, <laughs> but um, I've been shooting since my freshman year of high school, so since I was about 14. Um, yeah, that's kind of like broad overview. Mm-hmm. And how did you get into photography, like, freshman year? Take me back, like, did someone buy you a camera, or how did you fall into this passion? Yeah, it started just because I was taking the high school art elective. Mm. We, you know, had a certain number of classes that we could take, and I chose photography, and then I ended up really loving it, and I just kind of continued that my whole high school career going into the next class, ultimately, to AP. Mm. And did you feel like you had, like, a creative eye before that? Or was that kind of, like, an aha moment? You were like, wow, this is something I'm really good at. I felt like I was kind of, like, creatively inclined. Like, Mm -hmm. I did enjoy doing artistic things, whether that was, like, drawing or painting or really anything. But I didn't ever feel like I was particularly good at one Mm -hmm. discipline over another. And then, yeah, once I started doing photography, I realized, like, oh, this is actually... One, I like this a lot more than other disciplines, and two, I think I'm actually pretty good at this. I like I like what I'm making. So I think the aha moment kind of came more towards, like, my second year of doing it. Mm. And what was, like, can you describe, like, one of those, like, early projects that you did? I always think it's yeah. interesting to see how it started and then, like, where you are now. Like, yeah. do you remember what it was? I do, actually. It was... So for the first year, we were shooting a lot on my high school campus, mm. and it was kind of interesting because that... Well, it was very boring because it was just my school campus. Mm. And, like, there's not really much you could do with that. I feel like it also pushed me to see things more creatively and, like, really be more intentional about crafting images because I had such a boring subject. <laughs> um, but that second year, we started to do more, like, self... Not necessarily self-directed projects, but, like, we could shoot outside of school. Mm-hmm. And so I remember the prompt was doing something about a social issue. Not necessarily social justice, but, like, some sort of issue. And I chose the opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had this vision of getting, like, empty pill bottle Or not pill bottle, like, pill capsules. Mm-hmm. And filling them with glitter. 
and then doing a shoot with that and it was cool because I ended up doing like a whole mini series on the opioid crisis but like doing it in a very artistic way like I had a photo of this girl with like a hubba bubba gum roll and like acting as like a tourniquet oh and then I also had one of like these pills with glitter and like sparkles inside on like this giant thing of ice cream so I don't know I it was it was playing around of like playing with something very serious but also doing it in like a very light way that Mm -hmm. that kind of like juxtaposition was really cool for me and comparing it to a lot of my classmates who just like went out and shot almost like documentary style stuff Mm -hmm. I was like oh I really like creating a narrative that's about something that's going on but like not taking photos of it Mm -hmm. kind of creating it in like an artistic way almost like more abstract Mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting that like even in those early stages you used unlikely I don't know if props is like the right word but like elements of your art because I'm random but I was like reading this article about you because I was just like prepping for this of course and that was like one of the things that they really emphasized that you use these like unlikely objects Mm -hmm. so that's interesting that it just like started at such a young age and then you were able to carry it through um and how did, like, in those beginning stages, like, when did you start working outside of, you know, those initial classes that you took? Did you take on clients? Or, like, when did you realize, like, oh, this is not just something that I can do for school, but something I can, like, really turn into something? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it's a funny story. I was at, so it was my sophomore year of high school. Um, I was 15, and I was at Coachella with my best friend at the time, and we were just sitting randomly in the polo fields and this guy came up to her and she's this gorgeous six foot beauty this guy came up to her and was like hey i'm a scout for img models worldwide like can i take your picture and here's my card and we were like okay this is mm. very suspect we thought it was just like the classic model scam. yeah so we <laughs> it's were, like in a mall yeah, exactly. <laughs> like something random and so we were like okay this is lame and like she she thought she lost the card at first and we were like oh no and we found it um, but she ended up contacting them after Coachella and it was real. And so she signed with them. And then at the same time, that was in that second year of photo courses mm-hmm. where we were taking photos outside of school. And so naturally she kind of became my muse and I was taking photos of her, of her and her manager saw those photos and asked who the photographer was. And she connected me with her. And at the same time, I flew to New York to look at colleges for school and then you know they have like their home base office mm-hmm. there and so I was able to go there and sign with them and just kind of connect with them and that's I think the moment that I was like oh whoa that's crazy I'm getting recognized by people who do this for a living and mm-hmm. they say that there's something there and so like maybe there is and that I think that was the moment because it was different than just like my teachers saying good job or like mm-hmm. you know, my classmates saying oh that's a cool picture and so yeah, I think that's when I realized, like, there is something here that I could pursue beyond school and, like, actually for a living. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing story. Who knew that, like, someone at Coachella just coming up right. to your friend would, like, turn into this, like, launch pad for your career? I know. It was so random, so out of the blue. And once you signed with them, like, what did that, how did that, like, 
what did that mean? (laughs) Did that mean, like, you took on more projects, or? It meant that I had access to their, like, newly signed models. They have, Mm, like, their, like, men's and women's, and then they have their, what they call development board, which is, like, their newly signed faces, and so it was super cool, because prior to that, all of my models were just my friends, or people Mm -hmm. that went to my school, but... I remember that day they like took me to their office and then they had this wall of faces of these, you know, gorgeous human mm-hmm. beings. And they're like, okay, you can shoot anyone you want. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Crazy. Unlimited resources. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it really, what it just kind of meant was that I had access to their models and their talent. And it was just cool because then I feel like it was such a big name in the mm-hmm. modeling industry that I could then go to other agencies and be like, hey, this is what I've done for IMG. Like they recognize me and like kind of co-sign me so like Mm -hmm. can I work with your talent and then that kind of helped me um reach out to other agencies and just get more talent for more personal projects Mm -hmm. definitely like a good person to have like on your resume like you were saying like just like credibility so yeah and like were you like calling these wall of faces up and just like setting up projects how did this change like your actual work yeah it's interesting like I I wanted to balance, because prior to signing with them, a lot of my work was super, hmm, I'm trying to find the right words to say this, like, they were all self-directed projects, Mm -hmm. and so there was not a super, they're very conceptual, Mm -hmm. that's the word, and for these models, it was to really help them build their portfolio and then Mm -hmm. also build mine, and so, like, I kind of needed to not be as conceptual and, like, focus on okay, how can I provide them great photos for their book, their Mm -hmm. portfolio? Um, And so it kind of changed doing less conceptual stuff to doing more, like, focusing on them and highlighting them, which I think was valuable because I was able to just focus on my subject more. And, like, I had kind of confidence in coming up with ideas, but now I also could just, like, take a beautiful photo of someone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now coming out of that like I think I can combine both and like do conceptual and just kind of a straightforward model look too yeah like you were saying just to reiterate it's all like self-directed and Mm -hmm. stuff and then once you get into an agency you're working with a ton of other people so you're kind of or I guess what I'm asking is like did you feel like you had to like give up some like control Mm. because like you weren't doing I'm assuming you were doing like the styling and like the Mm -hmm. hair and makeup and or at least having a direction for it in those early stages like do you feel like since you've gotten like more established I guess I guess that just comes with the territory though but yeah I think that there was still a lot of creative freedom and like I think sometimes I would ask like okay what does this model need or I would look at their portfolio and be like they have a lot of this, but they're lacking in this. It's mm-hmm. like that would kind of direct the concept, but still it was like you're saying, like it was all kind of a one woman show. So I didn't yeah. have like a stylist or like a creative director kind of pushing me to do X, Y, or Z, which was cool. I still had like complete creative autonomy, but I still wanted it to like serve them mm-hmm. and fill a need in their own portfolio. Yeah. Keeping in mind what they also need to get yeah, out of it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Also, for those listening, you were 15, right? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Like, did you feel like you were, like, so young compared to everyone else? What oh, was yeah. that like? Being it, 15 is like a baby. It, yeah. That's crazy. It was, it, I felt like a baby. And it was just funny because, like, when my mom tells that story, 
I didn't even tell her. I was like, okay, yeah, we're in New York. Like, I we have to go somewhere. I need your because I can't sign a contract. So, like, she oh, oh, sign me. That's so funny. Um, yeah, it was it was funny being that age. And like, I remember in some of my beginning shoots, like, I didn't even have my permit. So like, my mom was still like driving me up to LA. And she would, like, be in the car, and I'm like, hold on, my mom's here. You're like, I'll be right back. (laughs) That is hilarious. Oh, my gosh. 15 is so, like, I don't even remember what being 15 was like. Well, I still feel like 12, but, like, 15 also feels like forever ago. I know. Oh. And so, okay, so you were signed with IMG Models. You were doing, obviously, very well in your photography classes at school. When it came time for college... Mm -hmm. How did you decide on USC and Ivan and Young? Like, how did those stars align? So, I have always had... For a very long time, I hated school. And I Mm -hmm. remember, like, even in elementary school, like, crying on the way to school. And my dad would console me and be like, you just need to graduate high school, Mia. Mm -hmm. Like, it's fine. You can get through it. And... So for a long time, I didn't think I was going to go to college. And then I went to a private high school that was very, like, college preparatory Mm -hmm. focused. And so, like, come junior year, everyone's talking about it. Mm -hmm. Gosh, okay, I guess I'll look. So, like, the IMG story, like, I did go to New York to see schools just to kind of see what's out there. Hated it. Was like, I cannot move to New York. I don't know if I can even go to college. Like... I didn't want to do it. Um, But then I looked at USC and I saw Ivan and Young and I was just like, that is it. That's it. And so I only applied to Ivan and Young. Whoa. And I was like, if I'm going to college, I'm going here. That's it. Um, Because I, that was a big struggle in the college process. I was like, I don't know if I want to do business or photography or what and so then when I found IYA and it's kind of all three Mm -hmm. and technology which I knew was like important and I did want to learn I was like okay this is the place for me I have to go here Mm -hmm. so thank goodness I got in Ivine Young is such an amazing school I really want to take a class in there because it's so who started the school again it's someone really interesting right yeah it's Jimmy Iovine who founded Interscope Records and then also Dr. Dre okay that's yeah Yeah. someone told me that and I was like no way that's sick that is so cool (laughs) it is such like the classes and I've never taken a class so correct me if I'm wrong but they just seem like very hands-on and very applicable to like jobs after college I don't know I think it's an amazing program but anyways besides the point so when you got to college Mm -hmm. I know you do freelance work, so how did that come into play? When did you start doing that? Maybe you started in high school, too, but can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I started doing freelance um, when I got into college, which was also, like, the beginning of COVID-ish, like, kind of, Um, and I was just on, like, Upwork and Fiverr. Mm-hmm. doing photography jobs and I got a couple clients and I was really not taking it seriously um but it was also cool because I had never done client work before like everything up until that point was self-directed or for class or something like that and so that was that was interesting and at first I really didn't like it I was mm-hmm. like I don't <laughs> I don't like not having a hundred percent creative yeah freedom, and it kind of took the joy out of it for me a little bit um And then, so that was, like, freshman year of college. And then towards the end of freshman year, that's when I started Handle. And so I took a break from shooting, period, for, like, 
a year and a half, two years, and then kind of started getting back into it, um, but not really doing as much product stuff, like just trying to get my love for and like passion for it back. Mm-hmm. Um, but now looking ahead post-graduation, I'm like, okay, actually I don't have to do kind of the lame product photography that I didn't like. That was like mm-hmm. soul sucking. There's other ways that I can do photography and make a living that are not what I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I have my sights set now. Yeah. And for those who don't know, can you kind of explain what the difference is between product shoots and I guess you call like editorial style? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I would say what I do love to do is like that more like fashion editorial work mm-hmm. that you see on like magazines or more conceptual. Yeah, more conceptual yeah. stuff versus the product photography that you see on like for a product's website images or like even their social media. Um, and so I'd like to, I'm trying to like strike a balance between mm-hmm. the two. And I think doing more commercial stuff for brands and like campaigns where it's like, it's still for a product, but it's not just like, a skincare bottle versus mm-hmm. like a jacket where you can like use models and be on yeah. location and have more of like a story that you're telling. Um, that seems like a good middle ground between just like a static image of something. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. And it comes to mind. Have you seen, do you know the company oddly? No, I don't. Okay. I'll have to show you yeah. them. Two girls from Stanford started it actually in a class mm-hmm. at Stanford and it's basically like this clothing company it's all like recycled materials and their product shoots you would love because yeah. when you said like pictures of products yes but like in a more editorial style way yeah. they are genius they actually just are got announced that they're in Forbes 30 under 32 oh they're amazing I'll show you their yeah, product I shoots but talking a little bit more about the logistics of freelance mm-hmm. I think that that's super interesting so you said you were posting on platforms like Viber is that what Fiverr. Fiverr. Fiverr okay Fiverr. yeah and then so were people reaching out to you did you reach out to people like how did you gather a clientele yeah so it it's kind of different for each platform. Like for Fiverr, it was primarily posting just an available job and then like clients would look up oh photography services and then see mm. and then they can like see my packages and like it's the client reaching out to the service provider. Mm-hmm. But for Upwork, you have that too. But I think what's more kind of the status quo on Upwork is that people post jobs. And so the clients post the jobs, and then the freelancers apply. Oh, okay, okay. So it's kind of flip-flopped. And I found that I prefer Upwork just Mm. because I can target the jobs that I want. Totally. Um, And it's been cool. I feel like that's those are the tools that I've been using most of the time, and I've had a couple clients that I found through Upwork become consistent clients and Mm. go off of the platform and kind of just build a relationship there and so it's been a good tool just for like finding the clients um and then doing our own thing Mm -hmm. and I know I'm sure it's probably differs per case but how do you balance like especially when you're working for them how do you balance like having your own visual identity and creative control versus listening to what they want because like I'm sure the people telling you what to do aren't necessarily photographers so they don't know as much as you know but how do you like strike a balance between that that's a good question I think it it's kind of cool because it does change per client like some Mm. clients have absolutely no idea what they want and then that's nice because yeah it's fun yeah like direct them more Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then, but then there are totally other clients that know exactly what they want and they just need someone to like press the shutter button mm-hmm. and take the photo. And so that, that is valuable itself because I think it pushes me to, it pushes me to get better in my own craft of like, okay, they have a specific way that they want this shot. Mm-hmm. They have a specific vision. Like, can I do that? Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it's nice because I can get out of my comfort zone, um, and learn more too, but just striking a balance is Typically, I think I do have a style and a style specifically with product photography. And so most of the time, the clients that I work with know that going mm-hmm. into it. And so they they like that style and they're okay with that. And I feel like with phot- product photography, like it's pretty, like there is variation between different types, but by and large, it's, it looks very <laughs> like, a lot of it looks the same mm. and so it's not it's almost like there's less variability and creativity mm-hmm. with the products versus like my personal work and so it's not super hard there's never been a time where like the client's expectations and what I can deliver diverges so much that like we can't work together mm-hmm. it's definitely like we can sometimes make sacrifices on one hand one yeah hand and come up with something good it's collaborative it seems like or I feel like the best clients would be hopefully (laughs) and when you're on these platforms and like gathering clientele and trying to like listen to what they want Mm -hmm. how do you still like have your own like flair to it I don't know if that's the right word but like if you were to describe like what your photography style is I guess that's what I'm asking how would you describe it I think I like a lot of contrast and a lot of, like, I love bright colors Mm. and just color in general in my photographs. And, for instance, like, kind of a technical thing is, like, I like using a lot of hard light. Mm. There are some photographers that use a lot of soft light. And so, but you can see that in my images. And so, typically, if a client comes to me with, like, a Pinterest board of super soft light, like, I can do it, but I'm also, like... Sometimes I say, okay, I don't know if I'm the best one yeah. for you. Um, but, yeah, usually, usually like, a lot of contrast. Um, I do like props, but I feel like I'm also, with product photography, relatively in my, like, infancy, and so I don't want to stick to one style just yet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, like, actively trying other styles and trying other techniques and like trying to just see what I do like because what I've done I like but I I think that there would be a lot of value to just being able to do a variety of different things Mm -hmm. it's fun to like yeah like switch it up to and challenge yourself and see okay like can I do a completely different style because it's obviously good to be versatile too yeah Okay, and when you were talking about lighting, it made me think about all the details that go into a shoot. So I was wondering if you could walk me through maybe, like, your favorite or most memorable shoot or something, and, like, what was the preparation process like? Mm. Like, were you going to shoot on film or digital? How did you set up the lights? Like, do you hire models? Like, I want to know, like, all the details. I think this is so interesting. Um... I can give two anecdotes, like one mm-hmm. for product and one for normal Perfect. photography. So my most memorable personal shoot was, it was a couple years ago, and I had this vision of this model, and I wanted a dark-skinned model with an albino snake 
And I saw the image in my head, and I was like, okay. <laughs> That's very specific. Okay, it's very specific. And I was like, okay, I just got to figure out how to make it work now. So I found this model on Instagram. He was in LA and down to do this concept. And then I was like, okay. Couldn't so- be afraid of snakes. Yes, <laughs> That's exactly. the first criteria. Yes. <laughs> and he was good with snakes and styles. <laughs> and then, yeah, the next hurdle was finding a snake. And so I went on Craigslist. Oh, my gosh. up snake. And this woman based in LA, was selling her albino snake. And I was like, hey, it's a super random. I don't want to buy your snake. Can I rent it? Like, in the afternoon. That is and hilarious. she was like, sure. And funny enough, I come up to LA the day of the shoot and the because mo- I was going to pick up the model and then we were going to pick up the snake. And they lived like five minutes away from each other. Perfect. Yeah, it was so Your perfect. vision was coming to life exactly. so naturally. so seamless. And so we pick up the snake. He's just holding the snake. In, in the passenger seat for like the 40 minute drive to the location just in his hands just in his hands <gasps> oh I, know. I was like do not get that near me that's so were bad. you afraid of snakes like a little bit yeah like yeah. you don't like them i don't per like se. Them. okay yeah um but i'm grateful that he held the snake and we got there we shot the images turned out really awesome exactly how i had hoped for um and then we drove back and i dropped off the snake and that was that but it, it was just just so silly and a lot of moving parts and a lot of just having to be like scrappy Mm -hmm. and resourceful and it's like I know what I want and there's there is a way to make it happen how how can I do that Mm -hmm. um and Craigslist came through in that regard um but the most memorable product shoot would probably be hmm let me think about this one I mean it's not very interesting but it was for this drink company and a friend, we were we were looking on Pure Space to rent houses because we wanted like a nice kitchen mm. scene and also a bedroom scene. And her, it was like a friend of a friend had this house in Malibu, this super nice house that was kind of just like available. And so we were able to shoot there and we got the models and it was just a really fun, afternoon of shooting in this location that would have been way out of our budget had we had to rent it um but just like the logistics of that back to your question was first kind of starting off by like what is the client's vision so she had a mood board and then I took the mood board made a shot list of things that we wanted to get and then we knew that we wanted models and so I was looking in my network and just online and seeing who she liked I remember just I kept sending her options of like what are you going for? We finally picked the models and then, let's see, it was shotless models and then mm, getting props was a big one because we had a lot of props for that shoot. And then making sure that I just had like the lighting, the right lenses and equipment and then going there day of. It was pretty seamless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like being a freelancer, you really have to like rely on your network like you were mm-hmm. saying with the models and stuff. Yeah. Um, have you like built up a network of stylists and uh, makeup people hair people like how does or do sometimes the clients find that too I'm sure it is kind of both but yeah I think in my experience they've mostly depended on me bringing that Mm, stuff interesting which I feel like is not really the case usually Mm -hmm. um but honestly I think that I'm that's kind of like a work in progress like I do have a couple stylists and makeup artists that I do refer to but I definitely 
want to grow my network in that way. And, like, I think being in L.A. is so awesome because I can just post on an L.A. Facebook group chat. Mm. And, you know, I have, like, ten inquiries of people, like, good people that are down to do it and help. So it's been super helpful living in this city to find people. I think it would be a lot harder if I was, like... (laughs) <laughs> anywhere else yeah do you yeah. utilize like the usc network a lot at all honestly not as much as i should mm-hmm. i feel like i wouldn't really know where to start but being now in founder society i think that's cool i think it's great because that's like a good in mm-hmm. um, everyone always has a friend who does something yeah, that could true. utilize like true. help you in some way yeah. <laughs> i feel like everyone always knows someone as true. people like to joke but it's true especially at usc i, I feel like there's so it's crazy the things people. people are doing yeah yeah So now I was wondering if you could talk about your journey with Handle because I know we were talking about this before. I think it's so interesting that you're, you know, a jack of all trades. You're able to do photography, such a creative hands-on work, and then also able to be like a founder of a very legit and successful company. So yeah, I'll let you take it away, but explain for those listening, like what it is and what, how you got involved. Yeah. So Handle is a delivery service for college campuses. We deliver snacks and drinks and such in 15 minutes or less. Um, We're at USC, University of Oregon, University of Alabama, UC Davis, and we're about to launch Oregon State University. And I co-founded it with my boyfriend in freshman year, end of freshman year. So I know that you're major in Ivine and Young is arts, technology, and business, correct? Yeah. So were you able to leverage what you were learning about business? Like, did you feel like it was hard since you were, like, mostly versed in, like, the arts? Like, how did you go about navigating starting a company? Because, like, there's always, like, a million terms and acronyms that you're, like, well, at least personally, I'm always, like, in business that I don't quite understand. So, like, did you find that that was a hard learning curve when founding this company? Or I guess you probably just knew a little bit, too, from your major, of course. I, like, yes and no. I wish that I could say that, oh, yes, (laughs) my education really helped. Yeah. But it was honestly not a ton just because since it was in freshman year like we only had nine months of learning so far and it was in the academy they kind of flip-flop it so it's like the first two years are academy boot camp mm-hmm. and so you're doing like all IYA classes and specifically that first year in the first semester it's a lot of design we kind of transition between like one semester would be design heavy the next would be engineering the next would be business Mm -hmm. and so we hadn't really gotten to the business side of things yet so I feel like I didn't have a ton of business knowledge going into founding handle and it actually wasn't super it wasn't like it didn't really get in the way of us making progress just because in the beginning we didn't even really need to know like the super specific things and like mm-hmm. businessy things and the acronyms like you're saying it was more just like execution mm. and it was more just getting this idea that we had in our heads into something physical and now that we are more established and like 
legit, I think those business concepts come up more and like having investors mm-hmm. need to like know what the heck we're saying. But in the beginning, it was very scrappy and just like us just saying like, can we actually do this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Honestly, like most people that start companies, I feel like like aren't even they're not business school trained, yeah. I guess, yeah. to, for a better way to say it. And I think it's great because all that stuff you can learn on the fly. And it's honestly totally. better that way because you're seeing, OK, this word means that. And this is how it applies to my company. Like having like a legit example, I think, is the best way to learn. Exactly. Totally. I agree. Just like learning by doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, things that came up, it's like. Okay, quickly Google what mm-hmm. that means. Exactly. Just, like, on the fly. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. And also, as Emmy says, launch now, adapt later. And I think that that's yeah. a great mindset. Well said. Mm-hmm. And also, I know Handle is venture-backed. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about that process? Like, yeah. were you the one, or I'm sure you were, pitching to investors? Like, how was that process like? Yeah, it was It was an arduous process. Um Chase was doing a lot of the investor meetings. We did some together, and it was, let's see, so we raised, like, our first round a year and a half ago, two years ago? No, like a year and a half ago. And the investor calls were difficult because it was more emotionally difficult than anything. Mm. And the whole just like power dynamic of the call was just so uncomfortable like mm. they are wanting to find the flaws and yeah like say why it sucks <laughs> like wait no it doesn't i swear it's working people do want this um and that it not all investors are like that at all but there were definitely some that were like very much like that and kind of mean about it which was hard um but the investor that's our lead right now and who led our first round actually came about from a cold email chase cold email, mm. which was just wild because we did not think that was going to work yeah um and it just the timing of it was incredible because we thought that we were going to have to shut down because we had no we had literally like five thousand dollars left in our bank account with two campuses and like hundreds of employees were like oh Oh no, I think we're gonna have to. What the heck? What is the future gonna look like? And thank goodness it just it came together. And he he and his like syndicate led our first round, and now we are raising for our second round, um, which has gone a lot more smoothly. Yeah. That, I think it's if you do it once, then you know what not to say, what not to say. Mm-hmm. Just like, how to do it again which is helpful totally yeah you can apply everything that you've learned from before yeah i feel like a common theme here is being scrappy in both yes. your photography freelance career and also in the business totally and also like kind of comparing the two industries i guess but like did you find it hard because i know you were saying like in those investor calls i feel like business people are very like straight to the point and harsh whereas like in the more like artsy fields people are like open to ambiguity i don't know if that's the right way to say it but did you find like that difference hard or like a learning curve that's a really good question i feel like not really i think there is a part of me that thrives under structure mm. and loves like rules and <laughs> <laughs> just um kind of like constraints which I mm-hmm. feel like is what you're getting at too of like in clarity and like straight to the pointness 
at the same time, I do love ambiguity and creativity and, like, up for interpretation. So, I don't know. I, it was, like, using different parts of my brain and mm-hmm. it was not necessarily... Like, in the beginning, I think it was harder coming from such a creative background. But after doing it and executing and, like, crafting these, like, straightforward things, then I kind of, like, was exercising that part of my brain and that ended up being something that I almost like more than the creativity for a little bit. Mm. Yeah. And what are, if you think there are any, like, similarities or, like, what were the transferable skills? I think, well, like you've mentioned, just, like, being scrappy and a, a big kind of mentality that Chase and I had in the beginning is, like, asking for help and, like, closed mouths don't get fed type of thing. Mm. And just, that was, that was a big lesson that I learned of, like, it's okay to ask for help and people are actually way more willing to help you. And I, I don't know why I had this, like, thought that they wouldn't be. Um, but I think I've had to do that both with handle and photography and then, yeah, just, like, being resourceful and not giving up until you get an answer and it's like if you see if you have a vision and you have like whether that be like for a business or a photo shoot like Mm -hmm. being able to think creative creatively about how to get over the stumbling blocks and like get through the valleys so I think that would be like a transferable skill of just like thinking on my feet and like being Mm -hmm. able to be flexible um with anything that's thrown at me, like whether it's like day of on a shoot, something completely going wrong, or like an investor pulling out. Mm. It's like, okay, rolling with the punches. Yeah. (laughs) Just like continuing to like have forward motion throughout it. Oh, but then one other thing, because I was asked this recently, a similar question of like, why, how has photography, how did that help me? Like Mm -hmm. building startup. And I think interestingly, it's like the same part of my brain is working of just like building and it's mm-hmm. like mm. bringing these pieces of the puzzle together like with a photo shoot it's the stylist and the makeup artist and the props and location and like crafting it it's still building totally and then with a the company it's the same thing but in the case of handle it's like okay we know how we want the service to work so it's pulling in how do we have delivery couriers and how do we have suppliers and a warehouse and an app and it's kind of like creating this ecosystem out of nothing and putting all of these pieces together which I I like because it is creative but it also is very like analytical and like you were saying before like strict and you need to have processes in place to make sure that it doesn't just fall apart um so yeah I I think it's cool how they both kind of exercise both parts Mm -hmm. and as a a businesswoman in both like being a startup founder and having your own photography career like what advice do you have for people that are looking to build something Mm. I feel like for me something huge that I learned was and it's so cheesy because everyone (laughs) talks about it and it's like oh fear of failure failure is necessary for growth yeah and I would hear that and I just feel like okay what yeah okay Mm -hmm. no one likes to fail no one sucks exactly but I feel like not not tripping on the outcome like so many times when we thought handle was going to fail and we have continued not continued to think that but like so many circumstances the circumstances that we've been in are like okay how are we gonna get through this Mm -hmm. the future does not look bright being okay with that 
and being grateful for what we've learned. And there, there was this, um, this book that I read a little bit. It's called The Gap. It's like Gap versus the Gain. Mm. And it was talking about kind of like measuring progress of like the gap between where you are and where you want to be versus the gain of where you are and where you've started. And hmm. focusing less on, you know, the gap and more on the gain. And that was huge for me. And just like my perspective of what I learned during Handle and just how much I had grown as a person, as a businesswoman, but just like, honestly, more importantly and more impactfully for me as a person and just like seeing Handle as an amazing learning experience regardless mm-hmm. of the outcome. And so I, I guess the biggest piece of advice is just like, it's so hard to not focus on the outcome. Mm-hmm. But if you can kind of separate yourself from the outcome, I think you will get more value out of the process and you'll be okay no matter what happens, if it does fail or if it does succeed. And I mean, ultimately you will regardless, but I think having that mindset just makes things seem less scary and less like do or die in the mm-hmm. moment. And I, that will like save you, I think, a lot of emotional turbulence throughout your time. Yeah. I love that perspective of, because I feel like naturally as people, we just like are always looking forward to the next thing, like yeah. what this could turn into. But yeah, sometimes if you stop and like look back at where you started, even like you were saying with that project, that photography project, like on your school grounds, like yeah. to look at like how much progress you've made and how much you've learned along the way, like that is just as empowering as if yeah. the outcome were to happen. So exactly. I love that. I need to read that book. <laughs> to the speed round of questions low-key this always ends up being like one of my favorites but for those listening here at perspective we do this so you can get to know our guests on the podcast on a more personal level and because perspective is an extension of spec magazine a fashion lifestyle culture and wellness publication we like to frame the questions regarding these topics so just answer with whatever comes to mind and the first question i have for you is if you had to choose one one clothing brand to wear for the rest of your life what would you choose oh that is a wonderful question um okay i would say i'm big on shoes more than i am mm, clothes. And okay so for that reason i would probably say nike because i do love jordans i love i just i, I love nike shoes i'm wearing nikes right now um and i know that's not clothing no, that, that works. Okay. Yeah, that counts. Nike's just, like, the OG. Like, I've always been there, you know? Right, and, like, oh, classic, reliable. such good collaborations with mm-hmm. other brands. It's, like, yeah. What's your, like, dream Nike shoe? I'm sure you have one. Okay. I did for a very long time, and then my sweet boyfriend got them for me last <gasps> oh. year for Christmas. They were the Nike... Um, Chunky Dunkies. It was a collaboration between Nike and Ben and Jerry's. Ooh. And they have like cow print, like fur on them and like tie dye. They are such goofy shoes. But yeah, they made me so happy. And they came in this box that was like this pint of ice cream. Oh, so cute. Shoes on them. Yeah, it was cool. Oh, I love a good collaboration, especially one that's like 
unseemingly related. Right? Yeah. Those are my favorite. As a marketing person, I, like, geek out over those. I love them. (laughs) Um, And then because you founded Handle, what's your go-to order? Oh, my gosh. That is a great question. I know. I was wondering this. Oh, wow. Okay. I... I like trolley sour bright crawlers. I mm. do have a sour item. Me too. Um, also, we have Ramone, which I like, and I can't really find anywhere else. Wait, what's that? It's like, you know the drink that has, like, the little glass ball? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. So that's always fun. Um, and then... Eli actually put me on to these spicy pickles. <laughs> we have these pickles, and they're really yummy, and that doesn't sound appetizing at all, but they're actually pretty good. Um, so yeah, I would say <laughs> that's goofy, but pickles, sour bright crawlers, and ramune. I also love that Handle has, like, the most unique options, because they have a lot of my favorite things that I, like, can't even get at Target, so yes. just get to the order pickle, it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Um, and f- what are you reading right now? You mentioned a few books, so. Mm. I am actually reading the Bible, which has been awesome. I All the way through? Or I'm stra- do you- yeah, I'm, I'm, write- I'm reading the New Testament right now. And so right now I'm, I finished a lot of the books. I'm not like reading it entirely all the way mm-hmm. through. Um, but right now I'm reading James. How do you separate that out? Do you read, like, a little bit for bed, or...? Um, it's a little bit of both. I, like, in the morning, I'll do a devotional, which is, like, usually, like, just a little verse, or I do every day try and have, like, quiet time where I read at least, like, a chapter, and sometimes that's... It's best if it's in the morning, because then I can kind of meditate on what mm-hmm. I read all throughout the day, which is super helpful, um, but sometimes I will read before bed, too, but... Yeah, it's been awesome, and I it's my first time reading it. I It was very random. I felt like this past summer, I just very randomly felt called to read the Bible, which is mm-hmm. out, of the, out of pocket for me, <laughs> um, but it's completely changed my life, and it's, it's really amazing. It's that, been amazing. That's amazing to, like, start your day with that, because I feel like it just, like, grounds you, get you yeah. gets you ready for the day, and also just the routine of it, too. I feel like it's almost meditative in and of itself. Yeah, and it's just, like, there's so there's so much value to it, and I feel like it is, like, one, one of the valuable aspects is it's almost like a little guide for how to be a human. Mm-hmm. And just it has... Implemental great, skills. Yeah. Or not skills, like lessons, Less, rather. Yeah, yeah, lessons and just, like, how to be a good person in this world. Mm-hmm. Like just standards to... Standards to hold yourself to that have just, like, been the answers that I feel like I have been searching in a multitude of ways, a multitude of places for, and it has never clicked or, like, been effective until I really saw it in this way. Amazing. Um, when you're in a creative rut, where do you go or do you do something specific? Like, Mm. how do you get yourself inspired? Mm, Good question. I think a lot of times music inspires me. Mm. And so I'll listen to music and just focus on that. Like, even if it's going, sitting on the couch or being in bed and like putting on my headphones and closing my eyes and just listening to a song and like trying to see things through that and just... I feel like music has always been a huge source of inspiration for me for my photography. Um, But also, randomly, I like to go to Home Depot 
because, like you were saying earlier, like, I love using props that don't really make sense. And that's kind of what sparked, I think, that whole trend in my work was going to Home Depot and seeing these props and, you know, like, <laughs> construction supplies. Mm-hmm. And being like, wait, that would be cool to put a human in or to have as a prop. And so... Yeah, I don't know. I sometimes just going to... I need to find more places like that that have, like, unexpected things that I could use, but a, a classic is a Home Depot or a Lowe's and just going through the aisles and thinking, how can I incorporate this into a shoot? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I, like, read something or... I don't know where I saw it, but yeah. something somewhere someone said that, like, yeah. it's awesome to, like, challenge yourself creatively. And, like, if you, like, see an object in the room, for example, like, try to think of, like, a marketing campaign for it. Like, mm-hmm. just something, like, so random and so mundane. Yeah. Just, like, keep yourself always on your toes and, like, exercising that part of your brain. I think that that's... I love that. I try to test myself every yeah. once in a while to see what I can come up with. No, it's good. And I feel like it's... We don't realize how it's not like we're in an echo chamber, but, like, how Mm -hmm. much we pull from the familiar or, like, things that make sense and how, like, not only can constraints improve creativity, but just, like, random stuff. It's, like, throwing yourself those random assignments. I I agree. It's, like, it's out of left field, but it it gets you thinking. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love asking this question. Um, What is a brand you think has, like, really strong branding right now or good creative direction? Mm -hmm. I I really like mischief. Okay. I, I think, think I know spells, what that is. It's it's like M S C H F. It's not the whole word. Um I love their Instagram and their website and they they have a lot of fun props and they use their products in kind of unconventional ways, which I like. They have the big red boots. Mm. So I think that was cool how they just marketed it and got everyone wearing them. Um but mostly I, I admire them because of just how they shoot their work and or their products rather. And yeah, just their online presence, I think is cool. Oh, do you have like a favorite quote or motto to live by? Okay, a couple that come to mind, and I mentioned this earlier, but like closed mouths don't get fed. Mm. So that reminds me just to, to ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is kind of similar. I think it's a LeBron, no. Is it a LeBron? No, it's not a LeBron quote. It's a Michael Jordan quote, I think. I think. But it's like... (laughs) It's so silly. I feel like this is on, like, frat boy Instagrams. But it's like, you miss all the shots you don't take. No, it's so true. It's so true. It's so true. Like, the email that Chase sent out. And that was your first investor. Exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, just, okay, and I guess it's not really a quote, but just, like, sending it. Yeah. Sending it, trying it. Um, yeah, so I think there's just a common theme of all of those of, like, you have to, you won't know if you don't try. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, the biggest failure is not trying. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the hardest part, just, like, getting yourself to do it. I know. But then once you do, amazing things come. Exactly. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of episode six. Mia, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure hearing about your photography career and also your work with Handle and how those are intertwined yet different, but also all the learning lessons that you've had along the way. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be one of your guests. Oh, of course. This has been such a lovely conversation. Um, for those listening, make sure to check out Mia on Instagram and her website to see her photography work, which will be linked in the description of this episode. And also you can check out our past episode on Handle, also linked in the description of this episode. And lastly, follow SpecMag USD on Instagram to get updates about new episodes as well as seeing the launch of issue 11, which you can see Mia's photography work in. All right. Well, I'm your host, Chloe Kopsky. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Perspective Season 3. I'll be back soon with even more perspectives to share.